Pull it together, Nick and Steve. Test one, two, test one, two. Check, 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 check. Ladies and gentlemen, this is The Vocal Minority with Nick and Steve. Nick Reynolds, Steve Harness, and Cousin Brewski. The Vocal Minority with Nick and Steve. Take one. Welcome to The Vocal Minority with Nick and Steve. All of Brewski, back for another exciting podcast. Don't believe me? Stick around. Find out, dude. Exciting. Always. It will be exciting, right? Yeah, sure. Uh, find us online, vocalminority.net, and uh, do yeah. find all of our social media stuff. You can share it. It's a phenomenon. Yeah. We got to put a little gas in your tank. Give me give me a little uh, howdy, how you doing, Harness. Come on. Howdy, how you doing? <laughs> I mean, come I don't know on. That I've ever hey, how you doing? All right. Give me some howdy, guys. <laughs> how you doing? How you doing? <laughs> well, that caffeine is starting to kick in, and we're getting ready for the program. Uh, the Vocal Minority with Nick and Steve Olabruski. Uh How about the uh, new concert venue in Vegas? What's it called? The Sphere. Yeah, you two I... opened it up, uh, did their first concert at the Sphere, and I I'm don't know why they got the it. I think the Sphere is the coolest freaking thing ever. First of all, when I was in Vegas a couple of years ago, some local was telling me about this crazy thing they're building, the Sphere. And the thing that he told me about, I actually haven't seen yet, that it sounded cool. He was like, when there's a concert happening inside of the Sphere, you'll be able to watch it on the outside from anywhere in Vegas, basically, because they're going to yeah. put it on the Sphere. They did not do that for you, too. Now, maybe that's coming. But just the Sphere in general, the emoji face they're doing on it, the basketball, the jack-o'-lantern, the marble. I mean, it is visually so cool and every picture I've seen, yeah. to see this giant orb on the, the Vegas Strip, the eyeball they've been doing with it. Yeah. It's so cool. And yeah, you're just talking about the outside, dude. I mean, exactly. And the then, inside. yeah, you too opened the thing up and the visuals. I mean, I that's a bucket list for me to see some band I actually like. They can oh, yeah. afford to do the graphics to go along with their show. Um, that's an amazing venue. You'll have to uh, give me a little understanding here, Brewski. But when you go to see a concert uh, with Dave at the Gorge, or I guess anybody at the Gorge in sure. George, it's beautiful. And one of the scenes that I saw on this orb, what's it called? Sphere? Sphere. 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 One yeah. of the scenes that I saw on this sphere was so unbelievable that it looked just like you were at not the gorge but a gorge yeah. and when it first came on i hadn't heard it that this was what i was looking at was the sphere i thought it was real dude i yes. thought it was i was like where is that venue that's beautiful people have described it as virtual reality without the glasses needed that you're sitting yeah. in this thing and you can't tell like part of the u2 scene was in uh, the desert and yeah, I mean, all everyone's just freaking out. And by the way, you two themselves spent half the show staring up, like yeah. just marvel at everything going on around them. From what I saw, oh, I have seen of it so far, it is absolutely insane. With you two, they were doing some trippy, like wormhole stuff that you know you were flying through. I'm yeah. not as into that as I am virtual, but like I could technically go see a show at Red Rocks, right? At the sphere. Uh, I mean, I that, could go anywhere. Yeah. Nope. They can come up. They can do anything for a backdrop, and it changes throughout songs. Though The U2 in the desert, I mean, it starts off at sunrise, and as the song goes on, the sun's coming up, and the sky starts to turn red. I mean, it's amazing. Um, 
And one of the funny things I saw in the documentary, uh, a whole bunch of news outlets were allowed in for the opening night. And essentially, it's a multi-tiered stadium. But there's a catch-22. If you're on the lower tier, meaning you're closer to the stage, there's tiers above you, so you can't see the full 360 effect of the sphere. So uh-huh. the nosebleeds are actually some of the cooler seats because you're you can see everything. Right, but you get the whole experience you know, all the way around you. Yeah. Did, did, How much did, that are they, cost, by the way? You mean to build or to go see a show? No, to build. How much? Billion? Two guess. billion? Two billion? It was budgeted at one point three billion. Ended up costing two point three billion dollars. Wow. To build wow. that thing. Well, and Madison Square Garden um, is the one of the ones who actually funded funded that, and they they have plenty of money to do that anyway. I would hope so. I mean, it's going to make it back over the uh, the years to come. I'm sure, but two point yeah. three billion. Dollars. That's insane, dude. Has have either of the two of you uh, heard how the uh, sound is in there? I mean, I was curious. Like, hopefully, the sound matches the excellence of the view. That's a great so, question. This guy I know had gone to Vegas to go to one to one of the U two shows, and he had these videos he took inside the sphere. And I just looking at the videos he took on his phone and he put on Instagram. It's so crazy. And he said that by far that was the best sounding concert he'd ever been to. And this is a guy that's been in radio for well over 20 years and gone to a lot of shows. Oh, so he's somewhat of an audiophile. I I trust him if he's been around it like that. And he's a guitarist who played in bands for a long time as well. Oh, it's cool. I was wondering about that as well. The stage is very simple and unassuming because it's not supposed to be the focal point per se. And if you notice, there's no stage lights. They have like a couple, but there's uh-huh. hardly any because why would you need stage lights? The entire venue is the lighting around you, basically. Yeah. The, the uh, stage to me, uh, uh, in the grand scheme of things, the stage is very tiny. Uh, but I almost thought when I first saw it from afar, I was like, are they standing on a piece of vinyl? Like, a, are they standing on a record? It almost looks like a turntable because it's just a round. Kind of, yeah. You know? And the stage can be part of the lighting show and all that, too. The stage can turn different lights and colors and all that. I mean, it's it's a visual masterpiece. Do you have any idea what your buddy paid for tickets? Because I would imagine they have to charge through the nose if they're trying to eventually make back I, a billion. I, I, I don't. I could, I could ask and, uh, and I could get back to you, but I don't know for sure how much yeah. he paid. They sold out six nights, so obviously people were able to do it and afford it. It's, it's going to be another uh, Vegas experience, right? You, you know, for a while, you go see Cirque du Soleil so, or whatever, you know. or Yeah, absolutely. It's a dual phenomenon of people posting all the cool pictures from the strip with whatever cool visuals happening on the outside of this thing. Yeah. It's the emoji guy. I do love like he looks down at you and he's looking all over (laughs) it's so cool to answer your quick question Steve on the secondary market the cheapest price was $426 Um, on up to $1,201 I would have actually thought if scalping or secondary market would have been more expensive than that that's what I imagine they would probably be to get in you know about 400 bucks yeah. yeah, I mean, that's certainly not cheap, but it's not so it's not out of reach. You could do it sometime. That's going to be a show that if you go to, that's a band that you really, really dig. Like for Steve, maybe Metallica. No, totally. And it has to be a bigger band. Like I said, if you're going to come up with custom graphics, I'm sure that thing has pre-programmed stuff that would look cool regardless. But yeah. U2's was scripted to each song. Right. Yeah, you got to be a big band. And you have to probably do a residency of some multiple nights let's put you up as a fanalo dude uh, would you go to see manalo there can you imagine what that background would look like <laughs> no, just walking no. through swinger parties no 
No, no, I would not go see Barry Manilow there. Quick, funny side note. My son and I were driving the other day with his buddy in the car, and my son brings up the Copacabana. Uh, Someone in the car next to us was cranking Latin music, and we were all kind of giggling. And my son was like, that's like that one song you played for me. I'm like, Copacabana? Wow. So driving through my town with my son and his best friend, I had to go, hey, Siri, play Copacabana by Barry Manilow. Oh, no, dude. You've crossed the threshold. That is pure indoctrination. I bring you up as a uh, fan alone asked the uh, silly question, of course, would you go see Barry Manilow at the Sphere? Because I came across an article that I thought, oh, I bet you there's some Manilow on this list. And if there is, we'll have to wait and see. Scientists uh, name the ultimate earworm and explain what makes a song or songs so addictive. They've done mm-hmm. some studying on this, and we all know what an earworm is, right? Well, I was going to say, that's a relatively new term, I think. But an earworm is a song that gets stuck in your brain and you sing it. Whether you like it or hate it, it just gets stuck in there and you're singing it for days or hours. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what's that cardigan song? Love me, love me, sing. Yeah, Love Fool. That song gets in my head and I can't get it out and it's annoying, but it's an earworm. Yep, yep. Uh, so yes, uh, these scientists have studied why, and it basically comes down to the beat of a song. An earworm needs five key components, surprise, predictability, rhythmic repetition. Wait, I'm sorry, both surprise and predictability. Yeah. Well, that seems like an oxymoron, but okay. <laughs> Just like any good love relationship has to have some love and it has to have some hate, right? That makes a good relationship. This is what a song does. Uh, my therapist would agree with that. But okay, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> All right, give me the list again. Five key components. Surprise, predictability, rhythmic repetition, melodic potency, and receptiveness. How the listener feels about this song. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that or not. That sounds like the elements to almost any good song. I'm just saying any song that's charting and you're hearing on the radio should qualify all five of those things. But like, I don't think Metallica or even like an ACDC or Guns N' Roses, they're not earworms to me. This is a formula that is expressed as receptiveness plus predictability and surprise plus melodic potency plus rhythmic repetition times 1.5 equals an earworm all right they have put put a grant in for this hey harvard (laughs) this is what i want to do my study on earworms the most addictive earworm was named and now i know how this list falls so i will go in that order but i am going to go into the top 20 okay i will read no more of this article because i don't want to kill anything but we'll start with Number we 20. S- we could be seriously messing with people on this episode, so this will be fun. Very possibly so. I mean, will you be able to sleep tonight, or will right. these be running through your brain? This is earworm overload, or will each one succinctly push out the previous one? If it's more uh, earworm worthy, it should be. That's true. Yeah, you're right. As we get into this, I do want to remind you, I did not pick these, so I don't want to be yelled at. I don't want to be belittled. All you right, don't I'll have to messenger. you don't have to like the song to admit that it's an earworm or maybe you won't think it's an earworm. Well, we start- most people have earworms with a negative connotation. You mm. know, like the Macarena or something. Like I don't think of any good song as being an earworm. 
Like that seems counterintuitive. A lie by Pearl Jam, one of my all-time favorite songs. Does it stick in my brain? Of course, but I would never condescend it by calling it an earworm. So, so you think it's derogatory? Yes, yes. Okay. Would you yeah, agree with that, like Brisky? The, the Kit Kat jingle yeah. or something. It's got to be dumb and annoying to be an earworm. But let's see. Yeah, exactly. There's a new earworm on TV that is so annoying, but I can't help but sing along each time I hear it. It's the new Burger King ads. BK, have it your way. You rule. Yeah, right? That's an earworm. I can't get it out of my head. Well, jingles are supposed to be, by definition, almost an earworm because that's yes, the, exactly. the repetition, the catchiness, so you don't forget it. One eight seven seven cars for kids. Oh, that's gonna be a Yeah, we know them all, right? So these right. should stick in your head as a song. This is number twenty. Footloose. <laughs> No, this is uh, oh, come on, come Culture on, Club, dude. Yeah. yeah. Would you think of this as an earworm? No. No, Bruce. No, I wouldn't think. No, not at all. Not an earworm at all. I think it's a maybe, good song. Yeah, I think it's a good song, too. But maybe the chorus is, you know, something that would get stuck in my head. But it would not be the first thing I would think of when I heard the song. No, no, I wouldn't think so either. No. My mom was a big fan of both uh, Boy George and Barry Manilow, though. So She does. She is. Your mother oh, yeah. is so interesting, dude. Yeah. What does she have related to Boy George? I have no idea. I just remember this from the 80s. She was really into Boy George for some reason and did not know it was a man, by the way. Oh, <laughs> that is fantastic, dude. Oh, yeah. That is well, so your mom. That she bought the whole package great. just as it's presented. You know? <laughs> she also thinks oh. Barry Manilow is straight, right? Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait a second. Wait a second. Yeah. Next thing you're going to tell me that the right said Fred guys were gay. <laughs> I never thought about it. I don't know. No, no. They, 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 they're talking about picking up chicks in that song. I assume that's what that meant. Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah. I guess. All right. Well, amongst '80s songs, I, I wouldn't have thought of "Come a Come a Come a Come a Karma Chameleon" to be a, an earworm. But yeah, no. Well, it's number twenty on the list. This list is all over the place, mind you. Number uh, nineteen falls with a newer song, and let's see if you agree or even know the song for crying out loud. Because you know I'm all about that bass, about that uh, bass, no trouble. I'm all about that. that here's the repetition of not only beat but lyric. Yes, I, I tend to think that earworms have some catchphrase or something like this song is all about that bass. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think what her name is now. Megan Trainer. Megan Trainer. One hit wonder. Better to be no, one hit wonder. She oh, is no, not, she, dude. She's got a no. lot of uh, stuff still playing on the radio. We just yes, don't yes. play it. She had that song. I has that song now called "I Made You Look." Yeah. And then, believe it or not, there were songs that she hasn't sung, but that she actually has right. written that other people have gotten hits from as well. I see. She reminds me of the modern day, like uh, Sugar Shack, the Archies or something. Like this sure. has a very bubblegummy, bubblegum, soda yeah. pop sort of feel to it. And, and so I'll tell you, I, that's exactly what it is supposed to be. Yeah, I would say that that is a very earworm uh, characteristic. So, yeah, yes. you know, yeah, this one stuck in my brain when we were playing this. And, and she a judge now or something on some one of the a dumb judge. Things. 
Yeah, like on The Voice or something. She was. Oh, one. I thought you meant in the court of law, dude. <laughs> I was like, no, I don't think so. Dude. <laughs> yeah. It's all about that bass, not the gavel. Uh, let's see here. Like Brewski said, she writes for people and some big people. Don't quote me on it, but people, uh, the likes of Kelly Clarkson and Pink, like big, big artists. So big artists, all about that bass. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> so, uh, number eighteen on the list. Uh, let's see if you think this is an earworm uh i know your firstborn might time is fleeting oh, yes um, madness you know what you're reminding me of tall. what our freaking morning show host plays this thing all the time. Oh, gosh. I, I, yeah, I have heard him play that, but I don't listen to him, dude. I mean, I, I, I don't listen to that show. I don't. Nick and I both tuned out years ago. It's the same show. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, called Time Warp, Rocky Horror yes. Show, and uh, it falls at number 18 on a list of top 20 earworms. I would huh. never put this on a list. No. no. Not as an earworm, no. I know this is a cult classic and all that, but I was never into the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and I don't enjoy this song, uh, earworm or not. And I don't consider it to be an earworm. I don't know what part of it gets caught in my head over and over. No. But there's that chorus. Everybody knows the chorus, you know, where you jump to the right and you pull the knees in and right there. Yeah, sure. Uh, and why would my firstborn? Is it's a musical? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and didn't they just uh, do? Some, didn't they just do this show? No, nothing I'm aware of. Uh, they either did this show or went to this show very recently. Not aware of any of that. I don't. Is, think there, is, there, is there? Is there? Is there a small? Is you thinking? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a different one. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking of. You're right. I didn't. I, I just realized it now. Yeah. So. Right. I thought. I thought maybe there was a local movie theater that might have been showing Rocky Horror, and and Neo went to it. And that That's thing. actually what happened, Bruce. You think that would be plausible? This was a big thing back in Ann Arbor, back in my days of you know, go to the oh. the State Street Theater at midnight on Saturday. Right. Watch where yeah. Everyone dressed up. We, no. we had it in Harvard Square at the, at the theater in Harvard Square the, and when I was in high school. That was a huge thing. And the, the people told a toast and everything. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, nope, not into it. Uh, and I, I don't I don't know. I don't even consider it a real song, per se. <laughs> no, dude. It's definitely not an earworm. I've got so far one yes and two no's as to whether I agree with this or not. So. <laughs> all right. Well, you're an expert in this next artist. All right, Stephen. Listen, I was a huge fan in the 80s. I had the Michael Jackson jacket. And I had the Thriller one. I couldn't get the beat at one and Mary go round. So yeah. Uh, posters on the wall. Everything. I mean, yeah. You had posters on the wall? Oh, I had a lot of posters of Michael Jackson. You did? Me? Oh, and I would cut them out of like Teen Beat or whatever music magazine he'd be in. I was a huge fan. And you turned out to enjoy women. Yeah, well, back then he was a black artist that didn't molest anyone and just wrote, you know, amazing pop music. My first ever yeah. concert was the Victory Tour, where he and the brothers all reunited. Oh boy! Yeah, Dude, Pontiac I, Silverdome, like nineteen eighty four or five or something. Yeah, that 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 actually forced the the Sullivan family, who owned the Patriots at the time, to sell the team. Wait, what? So Chuck Sullivan, who was the son of Billy Sullivan, who owned the Patriots, took a whole lot of the family's money that they really didn't have and invested in the Jackson's victory tour. 
and Detroit did poorly, and oh, it completely oh. ruined them. That's hilarious. All right, I'm mm. sold out in Michigan. I'm sorry it didn't work out for them elsewhere. <laughs> yeah. I never had a Michael Jackson poster, dude. I never had put a poster of a single man on my wall. Oh. I never did that. I, di- I didn't do it. Uh, who else could we put on our wall that's a single man artist? I had an Simon, Simon LeBon from Duran Duran, Nick Rhodes from Duran Duran. I had those up when I was a teenager. Interesting. Yeah. I had Pearl Jam posters. I had a classic one of Eddie Vedder leaning backwards in front of uh, Jeff Ament, and they were leaning on each other doing a little triangle thing. Right. Yeah. But uh, well, no, yeah, I was a huge Michael Jackson fan until he became a white artist that molested children. Then I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, it's never Is been Beatles proven. An earworm, though, probably, probably. I'll, I'll, I'll concur with that one. Okay, I said yes on this one. It's not one that I would think of. Like, hey, tell me an earworm. Oh, beat it. But once I hear it, I'm like, yeah, that's an earworm. That'll the stick black with and me. White song was more of an earworm to me. I'm black. Yeah. I'm black. I'm black. I'm black. Like that. But it was very, brain. very. Catchy. That yeah. guitar in the beginning of it, in particular, very catchy. Yes. There you go. Did you like "Man in the Mirror"? Did you like no. "Man in the Mirror"? <laughs> Not particularly. No. <laughs> oh, all right. No. Uh, well, "Beat It" is an earworm. Do you agree, Bruski? A yay or an a? I would. I would agree with Steve on that. All right. Well, right. we agree with Steve. Uh, let's see. Where are we going here, dude? Fifteen already. Now, your firstborn will really like this, dude. Taylor Swift. That's a good guess, dude. Why did you think that? Uh, Neil's a gigantic Taylor Swift fan. So. Uh-oh, she's going to stop wearing Travis Kelsey jersey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the way, uh, Rachel keeps asking me, like, are you guys going to talk about Travis Kelsey and uh, Taylor Swift on your podcast? No. Like, uh, I don't think so. She was like, huge news. I was like, to to who? I'm kind of picking up on this conspiracy theory that this whole thing between them is actually her getting paid by the NFL because Come on. She, she had that movie coming out. You're literally calling her a prostitute. And no, by no, the no, way, no. that movie coming out has already sold $100 million in pre-sale tickets. No, 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 no. What, what I'm trying to say is, is that. She's getting paid by the NFL to draw female fans to their games because they're trying to get female viewership up. And what they're doing is they're paying her. And also they put her movie commercial, like they showed her on TV and all of a sudden they go to commercial. And that's the first thing that comes on the commercials is, is the, is a spot for the, for that movie. I just yeah. Taylor Swift denied the NFL permission to use any of her music coming in and out of commercials. That doesn't go towards that theory very well. Listen, I get that, it, but it's I a silly don't... theory that she's dating this man to because she's being I... paid by the NFL to promote. No, 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 this is, I don't think that she doesn't need him. to promote. I don't. I don't think that she's dating him. I don't think. You at think all. it's just a, the whole thing is a farce. I absolutely no, do. I mean, come on. I just, she can do better than she can do better than Travis Kelsey. Let's be honest. I don't know. Can she? He's a, yes. a strapping-looking dude, right? I mean, it doesn't matter. She can. She can get. She can get a lot better than Travis Kelsey. She's already dated it. every musician on the planet. She's moving over to the sports world. Now. It's funny that you say that, Brewski, only because I I told Rachel I was like I I understand Taylor Swift is a very talented person that people love and adore. As far as looks wise. I don't, uh, I don't, I mean, I don't think she's ugly, but I don't think she's that attractive. Mm-hmm. See, I, I think she's, I think she's attractive in a, um, in a plain Jane kind of way. And Girl I see next that, door or. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Cause yeah, she, yeah. cause here's the thing though. She looks innocent, but you know yeah. what? Those are the ones that, that always are just like 
the best in the bedroom. There's a reason she's had so many boyfriends. She probably is a little goofy and a little crazy, but uh, no, she's attractive, but she's also uh, two things. One, like everyone's talking about the publicity it's getting for the NFL. In fairness, it, yeah, they're probably taking it a little too far, but she is probably one of the most famous people on the planet right now. So yeah. I don't think it's completely out of uh, the norm that they would be getting the attention. But yeah, that movie of hers, I read this morning, $100 million in pre-sale tickets alone. Most movies are considered successful if they can gross $100 million period over the entire run of the movie yeah she's something special dude i mean this last tour she was on you know personally speaking uh that tickets were not only expensive on the primary market but the secondary market they were crazy they were tough to get they sold out fast and uh she's making money hand over fist she's like i said kind of beatlesque elvis right now you know what yeah, I mean? Love her, hate her. You cannot deny she is one of the most uh, you know famous people on the planet. And this tour she just did, I mean, selling out multiple nights in a row in major NFL stadiums. If anything, that's your conspiracy. <laughs> she's She's been in more NFL stadiums than any of the players have been, by the way, of recent. She played 20 different arenas this summer. I mean, it's craziness. It's insane. And you know what else about Taylor Swift is uh, she falls on the earworm list. Is this, uh, I mean, this is an older Taylor Swift song, but uh, they say it's an earworm and uh, people can't get it out of their head once they listen to it. Yeah, I would concur with it. We even played the song. It was so freaking popular. Yeah, we had to. We were forced to. Right. (laughs) Yeah. No, she's got some earworm uh, qualities about her. Uh, when we talk about the earworm and uh, what I told you makes an earworm, do you hear it in this song? Uh, those top five things. Is there surprise? Is there predictability in this? I don't find any surprise in this song. I don't know that I agree with those five elements, especially the two that cancel each other out, being surprising and predictable at the same time. I don't know how you do that. Um, uh, you can have a song catchy. that has surprise, right? And predictability. What is that, surprise? I can't remember uh, the last time I heard a song. I'm like, well, that's surprising. Yeah, oh, like uh, it's uh, an E chord. It's an A chord. It's <laughs> you can't can't reinvent the music wheel at this point in history. By the way, well, maybe so. I don't know. When you're raving out, what's that music called? EDM. Yeah. Uh, yes. You know, it uh, crescendos and kind of surprises you of where it takes you and where you go. I mean, come on, dude. That's what they're talking about. Not a haunted house. I'm never surprised by music. So I don't know if I agree with that. But an earworm to me is something that is catchy and repetitive, and it just gets drilled in your brain. Yeah. And yeah, right. Taylor Swift, uh, especially the song, does that for sure. All right. I'd well, like to drill into her brain. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the find closest her entrance to her brain. <laughs> You find her real attractive? Listen, she's not like on my top 10 celebrity list or anything, but I have seen, I mean, she's a cute girl next door blonde, which, you know, sort of part of my repertoire. But uh, I was watching some video the other day of her on the Tic Tac where I was like, gosh, she's sexy. The way she's singing that song, the way the dancing, the movements, all that. I mean, I I get the appeal. I'm not Mm -hmm. going to her concert. I don't own the albums, but I get the appeal. How about that? Number 14 on the list belongs to... A little Mark Ronson. It's called Uptown Funk, and this yeah. is, I think, definitely an earworm. Mark Ronson's a great producer, and producers are usually pretty good at earworms. And yeah, it's technically Mark Ronson. It's Bruno Mars singing. Yeah, a good song. 
Yeah, yeah, Mark Ronson is incredible, and he obviously wrote this song to be and produced this song to be exactly what an earworm is. You hear this, you can't unhear it. It sticks with you. It almost sets into oh, yeah. your walk, you know, like as you going down the road. Yeah, bopping your head. It's an earworm. I do hope they wrote a check to James Brown after the song came out. Yeah. Hardest working man in show in business. America. Yeah. Go on. That's me. New York City. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, is James Brown dead, Brisky? Yes, he is. That's what I thought. They'd have to write it to his estate, I suppose. Yes. But they should be suing. For I this think. One. I think this. I think they're still fighting over that estate. By the way, his family. Oh, oh. haven't gotten to the lawsuits yet. I mean, they're suing each other, but not yeah, exactly. <laughs> not Mark Ronson yet. It's it's like 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 the Prince family all fighting over that money too. Yes, listen, that again meets my criteria. Is it catchy? Is it up tempo? Like that? Sure. Your know, worm. Yeah, yeah. That that definitely is for sure. Just to uh, be honest and transparent, when we jump to number thirteen here, I think oh, I don't consider this an earworm at all. Prove me right or prove me wrong. Oh, is that an earworm? Yeah, it's a good song. I mean, it's a fun song. It used to be a good song. Oh yeah, I guess it's been dragged out in karaoke bars. And- oh, I- uh, listen, I-, I think Journey is an earworm band. They they write good, catchy hits for sure. Uh, my favorite version of this, by the way, have you guys seen Will Ferrell and Jimmy Fallon doing the parody of this? Yes. So funny. So it's, funny. You know, Will Ferrell's answering all the lyrics. You know, where are you from? Oh, South Side of Detroit. Was it well lit? <laughs> oh, the shadow's going to. Oh, was it? You know, it's so funny. It's, so good. Yeah. Look it up on YouTube if you haven't seen it. But yeah, I think a lot of Journey is probably catchy earworm kind of stuff. And I don't mean that in a condescending way like I made with some other making trainers or whatever. Steve, have you ever been to the South Side of Detroit? There is no South Side. <laughs> you know, I mean, on a compass, I suppose there is, but no one, there's, it's not a residential area. I know. I was saying you grew up on the South Side of Detroit. That was always a funny thing back there. Yeah. South Side of Detroit. Number 12 on our list. Uh, I consider this a definite earworm, and I think most of America would probably agree with me. Never going to give you up. Yeah, when's the last time you've been Rick Rolled? Little Rick yeah, Astley? This is, this is definitely an earworm. Yeah. yeah. You know, the Foo Fighters, you aware of their friendship over the years now? Uh, no, they had, uh, uh, dur- I think during the pandemic, Rick Astley came out and did like My Hero or something. Well, it started with the Foo Fighters covering this song. And then they kind of became buddies, and then Rick Astley did a, a version of Everlong. He's done a few others. And That's now, what it was, is Everlong. Yeah, yeah I saw and now, he did it. I thought he did it justice, too, BT Dubs. And he's come yeah. up on stage with the Foo Fighters multiple times now to play various versions. Well, he has? Yeah. He, he actually played uh, Glastonbury, and he, he played the drums and sang Highway to Hell by ACDC and sounds really good. Because before he became a, a solo artist, he actually played drums in a lot of different bands. Oh, okay. This was a corny 80s earworm of a song that has somehow taken on a new life and credibility, in part because of Foo Fighters, but also, yeah, this whole Rickroll thing you just mentioned. My kids asked me a year ago, do you know what being Rickrolled is? And I was like, no, they don't. That was that was a family guy thing. Oh, was that where it started? Yeah, because Brian, Brian was, would, was the one that, that did, did it to people. 
Gotcha. It's funny. I love uh, watching a good Rick roll, and it happened uh, quite a bit. Uh, maybe uh, when was it? Lower to, uh, to lower aughts? Is that when Rick rolling was a thing? Yes. All right. Well, Rick Astley has made a big comeback. He's making money again, so he's making an earworm, dude. Uh, definitely an earworm. Yes. All right. That was number twelve on our list. Let's go to number. 11 yeah okay. okay hey dude this is a song Casey Kasem. yeah casey Kasem. uh this is a song that it may be an earworm uh tell me what you think oh, this is a sign. Oh, this yeah. is textbook definition Gangnam Style. <laughs> This is right there with the Macarena of like the textbook example. Of yeah, uh, we can you all don't agree. You want to like this song, but yeah, you're you. Science makes you like at least say it. Science. So I'm saying this has all the elements of surprise and predictability that you could ask for. I still don't know about the surprise thing, but uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're surprising. You're still listening after ten seconds. Yeah, because right. it is. It's a terrible song. Dude. <laughs> yes, no. When that came out, it was one of those like I don't want to like this song, but I'm listening to it. <laughs> like, right. you know, I can't stop. Uh, number ten on the list. Another one of those songs where I I don't know when I first heard the song, I thought, why in the world did they make it? Who let the dogs out? <laughs> Why, dude? Why? Why is a great question. Yeah, the boy, yeah, definitely an earworm. That has lived on in pop culture. It's still around. Yeah. Remember when uh, Mitt Romney said it? Yeah, yeah. Mitt Romney did the whole, uh, who let the dogs out? Ruff, ruff. And around all those 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 African American kids, right? Yeah, trying to look cool. Yeah, exactly. Be, be relatable. Yeah, that yeah. Was the, it was in the Hangover movie. It was a classic scene with this song. Yeah, yeah. No, and this is again definition to me of an earworm, like like uh, Upam Gangam style. Like, it's a <laughs> terrible song, and I don't want to listen no. to it. But do I know this song? Of course. Have I heard it a million times? Yeah. The, this is actually by Baha Men. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Uh, you almost yeah. have to be a one-hit wonder, too, to be an earworm artist. <laughs> you know, it seems. I, I mean, well, some of them on the list have been big artists, but yeah, it seems well, like the biggest this is... examples. The Rick Astley's, the the size, like yes, you know, wonders, really. Yes, cardigans. Yes. Uh, all right, that was number ten, the Baja Men, and who let the dogs out? Let's see. Here we go with number nine. This song has been done and covered so many times, but this version in particular uh, is number nine on the list. Christmas song? Simply having a wonderful Christmas? Dashing through the snow. This is a Christmas song. You're 100% right. I've never heard of James Pierpoint. And uh, his rendition of Jingle Bells. This is uh, Earworm. Number I don't know if I know this version or not, but I mean, yeah. every Christmas song is kind of an earworm, right? I mean, yeah, I've never heard him do this. But yeah, wouldn't you say, for the most part, uh, every Christmas song is an earworm? I think it almost has to be, to be a Christmas carol and a Christmas classic. It's got to be the easily sang and sticks in your brain. Yes. Yeah. And here's another uh, thing I'm noticing on this list, and I, I bet it pans out through the rest of it. No slow song is a uh, is an earworm. 
Uh, yeah, it's got to have the right beat. That was part it's gotta of. Be uh, yeah. It's got to be upbeat. It can't be a slow one. Right. So what? About, what about "Careless Whisper" by Wham? That's kind of a slow song, hmm. and you know, it's got that saxophone and. It can yeah. be. Yeah, I would yeah. say "Yesterday" by the Beatles could be called an earworm, but it's not because it doesn't yeah. have that that same poppy repetitiveness. Even though "Yesterday" gets stuck in your ear, like right, I think you got to be upbeat poppiness to be an earworm. It's got to be an obla di obla da, not a yesterday. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Number eight on the list. Uh, well, you'll know it. Uh, don't bore us. Get to the chorus. Oh, jingle bells. <laughs> See, it's stuck in my head. I keep hearing it. <laughs> All right, now actual track, okay? Oh, JBJ. Yeah. My uh, eighth grade years flashing in front of my eyes. Earworm? Yes. I yes. would say so, yes. Yeah. I don't wanna I don't wanna be condescending to Bon Jovi that way, but yeah, Bon Jovi's got a few that are probably probably your one. Yeah, that's run, Runaway would probably be another one I would say. With that keyboard at the beginning of it. That's the thing is like sometimes good songs are earworms. I mean, this is a this is a classic good song. It's an earworm. It it's definitely in the journey gets category. Stuck. You know, like I don't think of Journey or Bon Jovi as earworm pop one hit wonder kind of things. No. Right. But do they write classic songs that are stuck in your brain? Yeah. 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 Gina works at diner all day, dude. How many times have you sent? You, you know all the lyrics to this song, and you don't even listen to lyrics, Harness. That is fair. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, repetition. you play you play this at any stadium, any game, and at one, at any point you can cut down the the song, and yeah. everyone is already singing the lyrics. That's right, out loud. They know it. And you true. know, if it pops on, you, people about to get rowdy. And they yeah. know all the lyrics of the song. Yes. That's right. And this, by the way, to get back to NFL, is why I feel these are the kind of artists that should be doing the halftime Super Bowl. Not yes. current artists that a bunch of us have never even heard of and well, don't yeah. give a crap about. Because the youth know the classic hits of Journey and Bon Jovi, and so yes. do us older types. So that's, to me, what the Super Bowl halftime show should be. But here's the thing is it this see. year? Usher or something? Yeah. Yes. You're never, you're never going to see artists that we, we're, we're talking about. Because Jay Z has been contracted by the NFL to produce the halftime show, and he's yeah. not going to put a rock act on. He's I just not like going to. Never. Like They're trying to, I guess, pull in the youth or whatever. We had this chat, yeah. chat about Rihanna when she did the Super Bowl halftime show. Yeah, it's like, I just it's it's not to me the demographic of who's watching the fo- uh, NFL. And I get they're trying to pull younger people in, but do that with Taylor Swift banging a ride receiver or whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, 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 a no ride cool receiver, dude. <laughs> yeah. Was that intentional? She's, she's a wide receiver now. After <laughs> yeah. oh yes, that is funny, dude. But yeah, no, I love Bon Jovi. I just want him to do the halftime show. That's my only point. Yes, again, I'm so surprised the Foo Fighters haven't been asked. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's a freaking rock bands, man. Because you would think that, that someone like the Foo Fighters and Dave Grohl. That's one of those artists that gets the older demographic like us, but then the younger kids still know who he is, too. Exactly. Yes. Or if you're going to have a Usher or Rihanna, have have cameos. Have a rock artist come out and do a mashup for a song. Like Bring another artist to cross over decades and genres. I love yeah. that. I love that idea. Rihanna? No, please. You yeah. should be in the marketing department, dude. Both of you. Yeah. <laughs> 
Number seven belongs to uh, someone international. They are Europe, and they offer something called the Final Countdown. Ever heard of it? Yes, and all countdowns are final, aren't they? No, dude. Not if they're paused or you're a part of time travel. Which is a real thing. Final Countdown by Europe. I mean, everybody knows this. This is another one of those anthem tracks, right? Yes. I think all, almost all anthems have to be earworms. We will rock you, I the Tiger. Sure. We're up here with the final countdown. So yeah. yeah. We're finding some nuance to earworms, and I do appreciate that. It's not just pop garbage. Yeah, this is, that's what we said. Some earworms are a quality track. And I, all, all earworms have to be quality on some level if they're catching your attention, but... This is a good song, dude. Yeah. However, I mean, I've yet to hear a Bruce Springsteen, a Dave Matthews, a Pearl Jam. Like, uh, you know, not all artists are earworm capable. No. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah. It's just a different style, I suppose. So far, I've only had two no's that I disagree with. I didn't write down what they were, but I've had two no's so far. Uh, I'll tell you what they were. Uh, They were... Culture Club, you thought that was. The Rocky Horror Picture Show, you said no. Yeah, that's what it is. It's Culture Club and Rocky Horror then. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, Number six on our list is an earworm, uh, believe it or not. Is this the real life? I think I just mentioned this, this right? I mean, it's not We Will Rock You, but, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody is kind of an anthem song, too. Yeah. I mean, uh, hey, a lot of us were singing this before we saw Garth and Wayne do it, you know, in the in Wayne's world. Sure. But that was obviously a classic scene for people of our age that'll always take us back. This pops on. That's what the movie that plays through our head, right? Yes. yes. And Queen attributes that to part of the legacy of the song that Wayne's world took it to a whole new level. Yeah. I didn't know before seeing the Queen movie, Bohemian Rhapsody, that when the song came out, that it was ridiculed. Everyone oh, yeah. thought it was a miserable piece of pop crap. They thought it was terrible, right? Yeah. And now yeah. it's become a, a classic for sure. I bet Crosby knows about this. He just asked me literally the other day, what is this Scatamouche song? What was that one? I'm like, Scatamouche, can you do the Fandango? Like, yeah. the freaking Queen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Queen knows how to do it. They're in at number six. Uh, will they make the list again? I don't know. We'll have to find out. We're at number five now. Earworm. Oh, yeah. Go on. I'm for the Macarena, but this is right there. <laughs> this is more quality track than Macarena. Absolutely, though, it think? is. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, but um. I mean, they meet the uh, one-hit wonder criteria that we've talked about before. Oh, Not this to is... insult the true Village People fans out there. They have... Village People had a lot of hits, dude. Come on. Hey, listen, I saw the Village People movie, Don't Stop the Music, at the movie theater in my town in 1978. Wow. You did? That's some I did. credibility right there. Yeah. It is. Did you uh, dress as a policeman, or were you just in street well, clothes? Now, here's the thing, though. I actually did for that Halloween. They had a, a they had a village people costume that you could you could wear, like the the, the Ben Cooper ones, like yeah. the the thing on with the mask, and it was the cop. Very nice. I wish you still had that, dude. That's collectible. Yeah, that would be worth a lot of money right now. Yes, going back to the surprising uh, criteria, though, is this song surprising? 
Yes, it's surprising dude, that anyone nowadays knows what a YMCA is. But besides that, oh, they still have YMCA, dude. A lot of people yeah. say inner city. Yes. Yeah. Oh no, but a lot, a lot of uh, suburbs, suburban towns have big YMCA's. There's a huge one in Puyallup, which is near Nick. Um, yeah. That's the the Mel Corum one. That's yeah. massive. It's the biggest YMCA I've ever seen. Well, yeah, it's quite the that's building. Surprising. So yeah. there you go. It's not like the YMCA, like they talk about in the song, where some guy gets off the bus and he needs a place to stay and he rents <laughs> right. a room and all that. It's more like the gym and they have like the pool and they have yeah. swim classes. I DJed the elementary school walkathon up here for like eight years running to my kids when they were in that elementary school. Every yeah. year we played this song and the teachers would all go out and do a big dance. So, yeah. I mean, kids still know it. They still sing along. Even if they have no idea what a YMCA is, it's, it's still uh, – uh, it's still relevant. Wasn't it amusing, by the way, when all those Trumpers were doing the YMCA thing? It's like this big gay anthem, and they have no idea they're singing along and dancing. Yeah, I never understood why Trump used this as any sort of walkout music. It's a, it's a, a novelty joke song. Why? It's one of the only artists that didn't tell him stop using my music, please. <laughs> right. yeah. That and Lee Greenwood. Uh, number four <laughs> on our list is a song that when I hear this song, obviously I think it's an earworm, but I don't know. I know Steve watched uh, uh, How How I Met Your Mother. Did you ever watch it, Brewski? Episodes here and there, not faithfully. This was the top a, five all-time great sitcoms. That is a brilliant show. I, I think so, too, and now they have a reboot of it of How I Met Your Father. Or... I have not gotten into that one, though. Were you disappointed with how the show ended? I think the end of the show is brilliant, but not funny in any way. So it's a weird <laughs> way to end a sitcom. It's almost more uh, M. Night Shyamalan. He's been dead the whole time, you know, Bruce Willis for The Sixth Sense or whatever. Yeah. We're doing spoilers here. Sorry if you haven't seen The Sixth Sense or How I Met Your Mother. The mother's been dead the whole time, and the dad is explaining to the kids how we met their now dead mother. Like, it's sad, <laughs> but kind of brilliant. But, I thought yeah. it was bro. I love the way it ended. I, I loved the show from start to finish. I thought it was a brilliant show. And uh, this song, number four on our list, is a reoccurring theme. Uh, I'm going to walk 500 miles. Oh, is that what it is? Uh, <laughs> See, Harness knew, dude. Yeah. Yeah, this was stuck in Marshall's uh, tape deck in his car, so every time they took a road trip, this song played over and over. Over and over. And you can't help but sing along, right, when you're listening to this stupid song? Yeah. Well, do you know why this song got to even be put into our consciousness? How? It's Johnny Depp's fault. Why? Because he he was going to star in that movie, Benny and June. Yeah. And he had to play this, like, weird part. And he wanted to find a song that would just drive him absolutely nuts and get him in the right frame of mind to play this this crazy character. That's funny, dude. This should be one of those songs that we torture terrorists with. Right. Well, that was part of the joke in How I Met Your Mother. The first time on the road trip, the song comes on. They're all singing along. By the 500th time, they're ready to murder each other. So Yeah. But yeah, exactly. no, it's an earworm. That's a, that's a catchy one, for sure. It's, uh, the band called The Proclaimers. Number they three. category again. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, number three on our list, uh, we've heard from them before. I paid my dues. Queen comes in at number three. We are the what? Chow Young. <laughs> it's true. I we are. 
I thought for sure you were going to play another one, Bites the Dust, because that one is kind of an earworm, too. Or yeah. We will rock you. Like, they have a lot, I guess. They wrote a lot of anthem kind of songs. So. They sure did. Yeah, speaking of which, did uh, either of the two of you or both get out to see this movie? The Bohemian Rhapsody? Or? Yeah, that movie. That's what it is. Yeah, I don't know if you were listening a couple minutes ago, but I told a whole story about watching that movie. <laughs> How do you know? About watching, in. about watching this movie? While watching yes. Bohemian Rhapsody. Then until that mo- I saw that movie, I didn't realize uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, the song, was ridiculed when it came out. That's where I set that up. Yeah. Well... But I how, yes, I how to tell when the hosts aren't listening? <laughs> oh, I'm In dead. fairness, Nick is multitasking. It happens to me too. So. Uh, this is an earworm. Number the second appearance on the list from Queen. Number and two, testament that they're big fans of ours. Champion. They wrote a whole song based on our. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, oh, it Yes, I mean, this song, I'll tell you what, uh, I was was on the radio when this song came out, and the town, the, we're in Tahoe, uh, it, people couldn't get enough of this song, whether it was old people, uh, small children, people love this song. Yep, yep, they certainly do. It's a fun, feel-good song, and it does sort of cut genres. It could be an oldie, it could be a modern song. I'm not saying it's a great song, no. but it's definitely a catchy earworm that did quite well for Pharrell Williams. You're not a fan of it, huh, Brewski? No, all it took was one day for me to, to hear this for about nine hours straight. Right. Because they kept playing it at my, at my cousin's uh, gymnastics meet. Every time, they, every, every time they would they were bringing the girls out to give them medals and stuff like that, they'd play this song. Oh, so it was ruined for you early uh, on. This reminds me of another classic earworm that I had said on a previous episode. An ex-girlfriend said she loved the song, and I was like, you're not allowed to love that song. That is a one-hit wonder novelty uh, song. So I'm curious to see. How many songs do we have left? Uh, this is number two, so we have one more song. Okay. I'm just going to stick a pin in it for a moment. All right. Earworms, that one and uh, the and the Macarena I've already brought up. It's, yeah. That has been on the list already. But uh, Are you ready for number one? Yes. Let me yeah. see if it's it or not. Oh, wow. Okay. Three well, times on a top 20 list. Yeah, wow, that's impressive. I did yeah. bring this one up earlier as well. I assume with the other two Queen songs, it wouldn't make that list. But... Yeah. Yeah, so they're saying this is the all-time number one earworm song, huh? Yes, it's got that repetition, obviously. It's, it's melodic. It has surprise and predictability. Ultimate song, number one, We Will Rock You, Queen. Yeah. And I hope that part of the movie was accurate, that they wrote it as a audience participation song. Yes. That was the whole impetus for this, which is brilliant, you know? So brilliant. And I mean, uh, just be... Yeah. Can you imagine you see go see Queen and you're a part of the show as we get set to kick the the show off? Like that is such a high that you could bring that audience up to right away. I'm surprised no set of bleachers ever collapsed at a Queen concert with everyone thumping <laughs> all along to the show. Completely, dude. I how many uh, sports games or monster truck shows have you been to where they play this and you think this Coliseum's gonna come down? That is how I learned the song before I ever knew who Queen was. That Rock You song that we always play at the basketball games at our high school and stuff. Like I yeah. didn't know who Queen was, but I knew this song because it was has such infamy and it is an earworm. And as we were saying, it was written to be audience, you know, easily regurgitated back and rhythmic and all that. 
Yeah. And this song, Good. I would argue, probably is a little surprising because it's one of the only drum songs you can play. I can go dunk, dunk, dunk on a drum kit, and everyone's like, we will rock you. There are so few songs you can play in the drums, and people know what the song is. Well, 100%, but you want to know where surprise and predictability comes in, right? The predictability of that beat over and over, and then you make it into that guitar coming in. You don't think that's going to happen. You think this is a chant. Yeah, that's fair. The music finally enters, you know, essentially. Yeah. yeah. And it's a gr- what a great riff, dude. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's, what a, it's a classic all-time song. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that they say that that is uh, the top of the list for all-time earworms. I, um, I'm not going to disagree with it. I mean, it's, it's had the longevity over multiple generations. Yeah. No, I for sure. I know the song. You know. The song I was just thinking about, I, I, I'm going to say it to you, and you're both going to go, oh, yes, that should have been on the list. Freaking okay. Bobby McFerrin, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Oh, yeah, there you go. 100%. That's, that's an earworm right there. That's the only reason yes. that song was ever a thing. And again, yes. novelty-based and one-hit wonder-based, you know. Uh, Bobby McFerrin, just so you know, is a huge star in other continents. Like David Hasselhoff. Doesn't mean he's credible anywhere around these <laughs> yeah. neck of the woods. So. But yes, that would be a complete earworm. I mean, you hear that and you can't get it out of your head for the most part. Yeah. So I'm a little disappointed that didn't make the scientific list here. But uh, but uh, yeah, I only disagreed with two. So, um, I mean, I had the surprising thing I'm just not quite sure about. But other, but eh, whatever, that's nitpicky. It's a good list. Those were a lot of earworms in there. And yeah, this uh, freaking song, I don't think we should end with this because now I'm going to be whistling this for the next <laughs> Yeah. Back on. Listen, hey, Brewski, do you have uh, an earworm as a final thought that wasn't on the list? I mean, obviously, Rock and Roll Part 2 by Gary Glitter. Okay. You know? I'll tell you a freaking earworm that you, Mr. Boston, should be saying. I know you don't like it, but still. Okay. Da, da, da. <laughs> what is it? Sweet Caroline. Uh, Steve, you don't understand. Whenever they, they play it, if I'm at a game, yeah, I, I lose my mind because it just pisses me off so much that they even do that. Yeah, I know you hate it, so I'm not trying to pick it a Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, I get it, I get it. <laughs> but I'm it's an earworm, sweet Caroline, come on. And you're probably just tired of hearing it because you work at the I stadium, you know what I mean? <laughs> you have to hear it all the time, so I you're get You're trying it. to sell product and everyone's bump-bump-bumming. Yeah, right exactly. So good. What the hell's so up good. with that? Yeah, that'd be annoying for Where sure. Where did the so good thing come from, by the way? That's a uniquely Boston thing, right? No, I think a lot of people have been doing that for uh, with that song. It's hundreds of years. Going back to the pilgrims. It's kind of it's kind of like when people, college kids, started singing that stupid "Oh What a Night" song by Frankie Valli in the Four Seasons. I'm just saying that whole "So Good" thing. That's not in the song, obviously. No, it's not anywhere but Fenway Park. I mean, I've heard college kids singing it like that even before they started playing in Fenway. What was the uh, documentary that Jimmy Fallon did in uh, Boston, where he went to the? Was a documentary. He was in the movie called fever pitch yeah that was a documentary and no uh, it wasn't you know (laughs) stop it it was very accurate uh no final tap was a documentary i get it (laughs) they sang that song in that movie i think that's why you think of boston i think of it because it's a fenway park tradition yeah they they started boston they they they, yeah dr charles steinberg who is part of the, the whole ownership group uh, he works for them at Fenway Sports Group. His whole like, thing is to find 
different ways to enhance the the viewing experience. How about just like putting a quality product on the field? <laughs> That's all you got to say. That's business one on one. Add Neil Diamond to any mix. And, uh, when did that start though? When did that become a tradition? Hundreds of years ago, dude. No, I mean you know the, the answer. The first, the first one, the first one, the series in two thousand four. And they might have been. They might have started to do it right before that. So maybe it's been maybe twenty years. Oh, I thought this was like back in the eighties or something. No, no, not, not nothing like that at all. Seventeen eighties. It, was, it, was, <laughs> it wasn't until the current ownership group took over. Yes, it was an old Irish hymn. Da, da, da. So, <laughs> yes. They brought it over with the potatoes on the the Mayflower. So. They used to sing it in the middle of Danny Boy, but now it's Neil Diamond, who also has dementia. What's happening to our soil and uh, the antibiotics in our meat? Conspiracy <laughs> <laughs> theories. Ask Neil Diamond. Ask Lou Ferrigno, dude. Everyone's got dementia. Yeah. Uh, all right, that's going to do it, boys. Well, another fine program, if I do say so myself. It's the vocal minority with Nick and Steve Olabruski. Yes, I like it when people say, "If I do say so myself," you just said it, so I'm <laughs> yeah, sure exactly. you say so myself. But I digress. Find us online, thevocalminority.net, and all the social medias. Olabruski, goodbye. And we say bye bye. Test one two. Test one two. Stop. Not said.